Sat Nam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. The human takes longer to acclimate, to accommodate being outside the womb and fully functional than any other creature. There's a positive reason for this and because in the nature of the physical universe for every action there's an equal reaction. It has a downside. And the positive is that what goes around comes around. The love and care that you receive as a human being to get prepared for your way in the world gives you a sense of returning that love and care after you've learned to find your way in the world. The downside begins with dependency. And the dependency on that loving care can last an entire life. It can last lifetimes. And the way that dependency on loving care is expressed is through failure. Failures that don't appear to be of your doing but are in fact happening in your world are the most sophisticated ways of hiding this dependency. The masters would say any time you feel discouraged, any time you feel disappointed, any time you feel frustrated, any time you feel betrayed, any time you feel any of these very disruptive sensations, you need to stop. And you need to find where's the thread. The saying was, when you see the strengths in others, praise them. When you see the faults in others, follow the thread to within yourself. What we have in the positive in regards to sympathy is that when you receive sympathy, again, what goes around comes around, you can be sympathetic to others. And being sympathetic to others is the first step of the entrainment, of the entraining of being empathic. Because being sympathetic of others to others means that you're taking notice of what appears to be going on in their life. Once you've actually been able to take notice, then you can become empathic. In other words, you can actually experience their experience. Once you experience their experience, you can become compassionate. But if 
When you're experiencing the discouragement, the disappointment, the betrayal, or any of those other components in that experiential loop of you and others, or you and other situations, or you and other times, if you don't transform from your needs to the needs, then you will always default to sympathy, needing sympathy. And once you find it quite skillful in receiving sympathy, you will fill your life with near successes. Successes that don't quite succeed to the fullest extent. Because if you ever succeeded to the fullest extent, you would never need sympathy. So you want to be very clear. This is a very, very sophisticated and ingenious mechanism. And it's literally a mechanism that can only be mastered at the threshold of your awakening. And at the threshold of your awakening, this mechanism is going to be more in your face than at any time in your existence. At the threshold of your awakening, you will be discouraged more than ever. At the threshold of your awakening, you will be disappointed more than ever. At the threshold of your awakening, you will feel betrayed more than ever. Because the only way that you can be fully awakened is to be fully compassionate. which means that you will see the faults in others and then unsee them. That you will see the greatness in others and praise them. You will see the weakness in others and you will look for the thread within yourself. And this is a compassionate life. This is an awakened life. This is an aware life. So if we are to achieve that kind of awareness, that kind of awakening, it requires that this mechanism that's depicted in this orange line, which is your diaphragm, is fully flexible. Has anybody ever felt in a betrayal like you got punched in the gut? Anybody felt in a discouragement or disappointment that you got punched in the gut? Hmm? Right. Because that is the tightening of the diaphragm. If, however, when instead of tightening the diaphragm, you were to relax the diaphragm, you would gain the full impact of the experience. Gaining the full impact of the experience allows you to become compassionate first toward yourself and then toward others. Because what we are most addicted to in the small 
failures. I'm not talking about major failures, but major failures are also a part of this component. But in the near successes, which would be called the small failures, right? Almost there, almost made it. Ah, darn. What ends up happening is you're being self-sympathetic, and that's a real trap. Making little mistakes is that trap. Always just doing it almost fully is that trap. And we all know that. We all are well-schooled in that. Because that part of our character, right here, right now, is being pushed to the surface. It's called a problem, a problem. Blem means to cast and pro means forth. A problem, a problem or problem means to cast your weaknesses forth so you can fix them. The greatest partnerships are those that are just like in your face and those are the ones that often fail. Because if you're going to be great, your partnerships, whatever they are, business partnerships, personal partnerships, they're going to move your weaknesses to the forefront. Because sympathy enables weakness. Compassion embraces weakness and helps you fix it. So sympathy, which enables weakness, if it's too much, but if it's not too much and it's just a little sympathy, just to let them know you understand and then you feel that empathy coming on because you can experience their experience and then you're compassionate by embracing their experience, then all of a sudden you realize, wow, it wasn't just their experience. It was my experience also. Because this world is a reflective surface. What am I being shown? And so what, I remember one time Yogi Bhajan was really displeased with me. Wasn't the only time. Or so he was demonstrating. He was, he, was a, he was a good actor. And we were out in public and we were in this setting where there was a lot of my peers and a lot of people that I didn't even know. And all of a sudden he just looked at me and his voice went up to what is it that the jet engine is? Like 120 decibels, right? Right? Like double that. And my hands immediately went boom, like this as I was listening to him. And he looked down at my hands and he said, good move. And started to smile. And all of a sudden his, his acting rage was over. And he said, that's what I was looking for. I remember there was this really, really, really good singer way back. Yogi Bhajan was in the back. Everything happened across the street in those days. And so we were having this kirtan singing and singing. This singer was singing, this singer was singing. Yogi Bhajan lived behind there. And he was on his way to go teach white tantric. And he came out front, and we all sort of came out of Guru Ramdas Ashram, and he walks straight up to this singer and says, Why don't you ever sing anymore? 
And he just started tearing him up one side and down the other. And finally, this fellow said, but sir, I just finished. And it was like Yogi Bhajan looks at his watch and he says, it took you four minutes to make that statement? He said, that was the time that you were protecting yourself with your diaphragm. And he said, the moment your diaphragm stiffens like that, you can't remember truth. And the truth was, yeah, I know, I was right in the back, I could hear you. And it was beautiful. But for four minutes, while I was dealing with you in that way, you couldn't remember. Not that you couldn't remember, but you were frozen. And in that freeze, he said, you were feeling sorry for yourself because you were being scolded. And he said, it took you back to all those times as a little child when you'd be scolded. And you didn't have the power to overcome the scold. So right here in the middle of our bodies is this diaphragm. And we have to keep it flexible. It has to produce a wave in our life. And then when things are starting to happen, we can actually unhappen them, which is not a word. But it is now. You can see the faults that are taking place and then unsee them to the extent that they literally do not happen. And the one pattern that we have to watch out for is the pattern that repeats. If we have something in our life that keeps repeating, that keeps repeating like poverty, like anything, like being scolded, like being found wrong, like whatever, failures that keep repeating, are only going to get worse unless you solve them. And right here, a very physical, it's not something you can think, how can I solve this? How can I solve this? This is not an intellectual function. This is a biological function. Get your diaphragm really flexible and what ends up happening is that with that flexible diaphragm, when shit happens, excuse me, but when shit happens, when stuff happens to you or it appears that it's happening to you, what ends up taking place is the flexibility of your diaphragm becomes flexible like water. And water is a solution. When you try to dam it up, it figures out how to get around it. And so in your life with this wave of your diaphragm and things are happening, bad things are happening, the S word is happening, all of a sudden instead of going, ah, ah, all those other tense reactions, you have a solution reaction. And you go, whoa, this is not so bad, let me show you how this, and you take everybody that's involved in the situation and you turn it into a team effort. That is group consciousness. And that is what's meant by 
when you can move from individual consciousness. Individual consciousness at its greatest is a protection of self. You are attacking me. I must protect myself. I am disappointed. I am discouraged. I am betrayed. I am upset. But if instead of that, instead of going to that self-preservation, you go immediately to the combined or mutual solution, you will keep the diaphragm very flexible and suddenly you will become the fluid in which we both or all dwell. And then everybody will start to realize, ultimately, when you really get good at this, everybody will start to realize that that situation that just took place had no one to blame. It was a situation that just took place for everyone involved in the situation, whether they were experiencing it or seemed to be perpetrating it, for everybody involved in the situation to gain the experience of solving the situation. Think about it. Think about those things that happen in your life. Think about those things that repeat in your life. Think about those almost successes that you have in your life. Because every one of us has a tremendous amount of almost successes taking place in our life. Because not one of us is a world prophet yet. And every one of us is capable of being that. And this world definitely appears not to be waiting. Or as my mom would say, it's going to hell in a handbasket. Because as this world is not waiting, it is waiting for us. It is waiting for us to show up in our fullest capacity. We are the prophets. And the world is waiting. A long history of idyllic prophets that no one could reach, no one could achieve such greatness. Even within my own lifestyle, the same story prevails. And I get in trouble for discounting that, for discounting that pattern. There is no human that has ever existed on the earth, no matter what the claim to fame was. All the prophets of all the religions, none of them had a greater capacity than each one of us. And now is the time, more than ever, that this world requires all of us to be stepping up. Now, how do we step up? We step up by stepping out of dilemmas like this. The near failures, the near, the near successes rather, the small failures that cause us not to be our greatness, but to be our almost greatness. Because in our almost greatness, we are still looking for a little sympathy. And as long as we are looking for a little sympathy, we cannot reach that capacity of being fully awakened.
And energetically, this earth right now is in a quandary because without a few million of us being fully awakened, this earth is really in trouble. And one of the funny things, it was almost like it was a corporate setting, Yogi Bhajan would say to me, and you don't want earth to fail on your watch. <laughs> it's like I was feeling like, my watch? Like, what's that mean? As I wanted a little sympathy. Each and every one of us is on watch right now. Each and every one of us was sent here to be part of the saving grace. You can do it through your efforts, whatever your efforts are. Whatever your life outside this room is, you can do it through that. You can do it by reaching people. You can do it by helping people. You can be doing it by not reacting to people. And all of this takes place when you have your diaphragm really, really wave-like, really wave-like, so that you use it to create these waves of elegance wherever you are. Haven't you ever experienced a wave of elegance in a setting? And when you experience a wave of elegance in any setting, you feel very much connected. You feel connected to the place. You feel connected to the people. That's why these sacred places that you, you know, there are some that are natural sacred places, Mount Shasta, Sedona, Mount Rainier, um, places in India, places in China, places in Tibet, places all over the world, Africa, South America, etc. And then there are physical places that were built by people in which a great deal of prayer work and grace work have been going on. And because so much waves of elegance have taken place there, they're just, they sustain themselves there. And you can walk into those great cathedrals, you can walk into those great temples, thousands of years old, hundreds of years old, and you can feel it. You can feel that elegance in those places. It's up to each of us to produce that elegance. And it starts right here in our gut. And every time you have an opportunity to feel like you've been punched in the gut, you have an opportunity to create elegance instead. Every time you have an opportunity to feel betrayed, to feel disappointed, to feel discouraged, to feel exhausted, there's one we all have to listen to. I'm not talking to you like I'm excluding myself. I'm so included in this conversation, you go, it's not a conversation, it's a lecture, sir. No, no, it's a conversation. We're having a conversation here. I am so included in this conversation, every single one of us has to also feel that we are not overwhelmed, that we're not exhausted, that there's not too much on our shoulders. Because any time we give that illusion power in our belief system, we're looking for sympathy. And if we're not looking for sympathy outside, we're looking for sympathy inside. You know the silent suffering? No, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. 
you know what the uh, psychological definition of fine is? I'm fine. No, no, I'm fine. Is freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> it's an acronym. I'm fine. No, no, I'm fine. Would you like a glass of water? No, I'm fine. Could I get you something to eat? No, I'm fine. Right? It's a silent suffering, right? The silent suffering. Can I help you with anything? No, I'm fine. That silent suffering. That's the one that's the hardest to catch. The most sophisticated in its avoidance. And so today's class, we work a lot on not only the diaphragm, but everything that moves through the diaphragm. The diaphragm is the largest muscle mass in your body. And it's the one that actually divides the pranic values from the aponic values, right? The, the parts of your system that bring in and the parts of your system that eliminate. The bottom of your feet are also part of the bringing in because you bring in the energy of the earth. And that is the, that is the, the one mechanism. And we work with that here. We work with pressures on the feet. And remember another thing in this particular set of, of exercises. Be mindful of the various pressures in your body because any time that you have pressures on any part of any specific part of your body, you're creating a piezoelectric charge. And any time you create that piezoelectric charge, you're creating an ionization. And this ionization is going to work in, in, in accessing and absorbing a lot of the mineral and vitamin content in your world. So by doing exercises in particular postures, you're actually enabling your body to absorb the things that you're eating, the foods that you're eating, the circumstances that are surrounding you. Deal? So we're going to start with a meditation that Okay. That works specifically with the diaphragm. So, Kato, would you be on the board? Sure. Thanks. So the posture for the meditation, take, whoops, take hold of your knees with your hands. Just take hold of your knees and, and pull yourself up, like get yourself so that you're, everything is kind of extended. You want to really get a full pressure and stretch around your diaphragm. Now, ek is going to pull in the navel point. Ek, onkar, kar releases the navel point. Sat, gura, prasad. Ek, onkar, sat, gura, prasad. Sat raises the diaphragm, gura, prasad lowers it. Now, that's a very odd kind of muscular relation because you can feel the navel point coming in. That's a very easy one to produce. 
But to actually raise the diaphragm is a different one. All right? So you're gonna, I want you to, we're going to move slowly on this in the mantra, and I want you to, I want you to experience it. So, ek onkar sat gura prasad. Prasad lowers it. Sat gura prasad ek onkar. Ek onkar sat gura prasad sat gura prasad. Ek Onkar. That was my hands demonstrating what your navel point and diaphragm are going to use. Because we want to have control of our diaphragm in life. We want to be able to walk through life. As a matter of fact, your diaphragm is that which when you go into a balance pose, it's actually your diaphragm that is going to maintain your balance. Hmm? And it's the diaphragm swims in the body if the body is is fluid. The diaphragm bumps around the body if the body is stiff. You know, right under the diaphragm sits the adrenals. <clears throat> and these adrenals are so vital in our energy, but if the diaphragm is very stiff, those adrenal peptides don't really make it into our system as proficiently and efficiently as they should. And so we will be tired. We will not have the energy that we need from moment to moment. And then we'll search for mental reasons as to why. And then we will blame it on you. You're the reason that I have no energy. Yeah. That's the, um, the one that we, we blame someone for stealing our energy. Why, well, whenever I'm around you, you suck out my energy. You've heard that, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's that and a $7 bill are mythologies. So now just stop and feel that fluidity in that area of your body. Experience that fluidity. It feels vulnerable. And the more vulnerable you are, the more intuitive you are. The more intuitive you are, the safer you are. So being vulnerable is very safe. Being highly and heavily protected is very dangerous. Non-reaction gives you intuition, gives you the power of intuition, because a great deal of your intuition comes off of that flexible diaphragm, clairsentience. Hmm? When you go into a place anywhere around the world where a great deal of chanting has been taking place, you can feel the elegance. You can feel that wave of information. One time, 
with Yogi Bhajan, he said it was dripping from the walls. We were in, uh, we were in a, a temple in India, and he said it's just dripping. It's just dripping from the walls. This, these waves of elegance that have been so, they're like a standing wave. They're like a, a, a sustained wave. The spinal cord sits within the, the spine. You want flexibility in this too. This, the, this passes down through the diaphragm, right? Passes down, not necessarily through the center, of, but it passes down through that great muscle that, that is holding here. If the diaphragm keeps getting stiff, then you're going to have subluxations at this area of the back, right here, between the um, thoracic and lumbar area of the spine. When you get blockage here, then what's going to happen is that all of your liver heat is going to try to reach up into the heart so that it, you can have a warm sensation of your surroundings, but instead it will be reflected back from the stiff diaphragm. It'll be reflected back into the glands and organs. The secondary mechanism of the Kundalini rising will try to rise up through the spine but because of the subluxations that take place, because of the, the torment of the diaphragm, will pull the, the, pull the discs out of alignment, all of a sudden the kundalini can't rise past that point. Now that's an interesting dilemma, because what happens is that you become heated, which gives you anger, could be giving you fear as well, and the fact that your kundalini can't rise into a, into a greater perspective Right? Higher awareness, it drops back down and you confirm your reason for being afraid or angry. Because what happens is that the mechanism of awareness from this level up and down is from here to here is pure, pure survival. And if you're concerned about survival, you will always find danger. You will always find something inappropriate. You will always find what you're looking for. Now, once you find what you're looking for, you're going to poke at it. And when you poke at something, it tries to defend itself. As it's trying to defend itself, it gets worse. As it gets worse, you see it even more profoundly. Do you see the vicious cycle? In relationship, and everything is relationship, your relationship with with what is just outside of you is the only relationship that you're truly dealing with. And once you start this vicious cycle going with your environment, your environment doesn't have a chance. That was such good timing. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. It's for me. I had just finished my statement. That reminded me of the Matrix. You remember those retro sounds when the, yeah. the phone would ring, right? Oh, hold on, I got to get back to the ship. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been cool if I just disappeared in the room? <laughs> Did that make you unsorry? Yeah. Okay, good. Because being sorry, what does it want? There you go. But going, oh, that was my phone. It was a perfect timing, wasn't it, Guru Singh? See, that's a better reaction. See. Exactly, because that embraces, if Guru Singh is going to fall down into, why didn't you turn your phone off, right? If, if, if Guru Singh is going to fall down into that hole, you want to grab hold of him before he fully falls and pull him back out and go, oh, it was such a good phone call. 
All right. So now, this was all about the spine. Remember that's where we got started there on that um, communication? Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.